up everybody it's Dan from Binder Boneyard coming at you from the office uh, you probably hear the hum in the background of the heater because it is cold still winter time uh, <laughs> yeah it's probably cold where you're at too uh, unless you're in Florida or somewhere south but anyway uh, thanks for listening appreciate you uh, picked up some more followers uh, some more patreon donators I really appreciate that you know all I need is a million people to donate a dollar a month and uh, we'd be set so go ahead and tell 999,000 of your friends and uh, we'll make this thing happen but <laughs> you know, everybody wants to see my museum dream come to life uh, so that's how you got to do it got to tell <laughs> tell a million people to give me a dollar and uh, we'll be set um, you know but <laughs> anyway <laughs> thank you for listening really appreciate it you guys are great uh, social media has been good to us so Anyway, hopefully you heard me on the uh, classic 4x4 podcast uh, a few weeks ago. I uh, did that with Chris. Uh, he's a good guy. Interesting podcast. He covers lots of other makes and models and whatnot. So uh, pretty much it's 45 minutes of me rambling. Um, you know, probably could have done three or four podcasts with him and still not covered all the stuff. But uh, it was a good, good podcast. Um what else was I going to say? Yeah, I guess I forgot. That's what happens. I don't prepare these. I just do them off the cuff. So, um, yeah, there's going to be uh, some stuff like that where I don't remember anything. <laughs> but anyway, um, today's podcast is going to be about D-Series trucks, travel alls, etc. D-series, uh, not to be confused with the D-models, which were, D-models were 37 to 39 and a half. Um, the D-series is the 69 to 75 trucks, travel alls, travelettes. So, we're going to jump right into what makes them uh, different from each other and what makes them unique um, on their own. So the early versions of the D series, the 69's, um, they get confused with the late versions of the C series which are 68's. Uh, there was some crossover there where um, 68 C series models were still on the lot in some places when the D series 69 model came out. And so you get some confusion with if people have a 68 or 69 and you know and there's some interesting um similarities like the fender emblems. So by the late 60s early 70s international was was combining um, parts and pieces across the models 
and I'm not sure if it was to save money or if it was to give um, styling, recognizable styling to all of the models so that you knew, you know, it was recognizable. Because in the 60s, the Scout looked nothing like the trucks or travel alls. Uh, the early Scout shared very few parts, um, mostly, you know, um, underskin parts. So by 69, um, I'm not sure what their plan was, but I think they were trying to make all the models appear more similar. Uh, that and by 69, the Scout 2 was already in the design phase. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Scout 2's final styling had a little bit of a bearing on or the, the D-Series had a little bearing on the Scout's final styling as well. Um, it's hard to say. I wasn't there. Uh, I didn't read any of the books. Um, I'm not John Glancy or Jim Allen. I don't, I'm not immersed in the history and all that stuff like uh, a lot of the other guys in this industry are. Um, all I can do is speculate. But just as an outside observer, that's what it looks like to me. Um, so 69, they had long rectangular marker lights. And the earliest of 69s didn't have lights in them. Uh, I've got some emblems here that came out of an early 69 travel all that just has plugs where the light socket should be. Um, and I mean plugs like rubber block-off plugs, not, not receptacles. And... Um, and the lenses, you know, rectangular red and orange lenses, they're reflectors. Which, in the Scouts, the 69 Scout, had round reflectors. Uh, it wasn't until 70 that the Scouts had uh, lights in there. Um, so, yeah. So the 69 Travel All had its own little, or 69 in general, had their own little quirks. They'd, you know, come out with the rectangle gauges, um, rectangle speedometer, you know, big square styling. They had definitely upsized from the C-Series, uh, more insulation, bigger windows, flatter windows, um, you know, had kind of stepped into that 70s styling a little bit more, um, you know, just a different shape in general compared to previous models. Definitely, you know, colors, a lot more colors, interior design, uh, just across the board different um, than the predecessor. It was really a, a revamp. Uh, but, you know, and you could see that in the Scouts also. They were changing colors and stuff. But um, so when you get into the 70s, the 70 was also a little bit of a crossover because partway through 70 they changed a few little details like adding lights to the markers and um, the grill had that big center bar and they were either chrome or painted um, the interior you know more colors uh, that kind of stuff because um, I think the 69 model was just a part I don't want to say partial year, but like I said, with the 68 still on the lot, when the 69s came out, they kind of 
crossed over a little bit. So 70 was the first year I would say is the full dedicated year to the square body D style. And, you know, you had all of the models, the, the 1010, which was the independent front suspension, low rider station wagon. Um, there was the 1000, um, that was the half ton two wheel drive. And then the 1100 that, you know, was the half ton four wheel drive. Um, you saw that and then the 1200 three-quarter ton um, and that, that was a two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive there's a there's a hard designation to make between the two-wheel drives and four-wheel drives as far as the model numbers it's pretty much it's hard to tell the only one that you can be certain about is the 1010 um, because that was the IFS truck only there was no you know 1010 four-wheel drive or anything like that so um, by 70 they were, you know, fully in production on those. They'd made some updates, little changes like the the way the sun visors clipped, um, the way the rear view mirror was mounted, that kind of stuff. Seventy one, um, they'd already started changing stuff again. Um, changed the grill in seventy one to more of a mesh looking. I, we call it the egg crate, but uh, yeah, mesh type plastic grill. The um, uh, emblem, excuse me, emblem on the grill was the same as the Scout 800 Bs or 800 As. I'm sorry, with the uh, international with the red in it. Uh, so again, they're sharing parts with the Scout. So like the turn signal um, housings, the big rectangular ones, they're the same as the Scouts, um, and then. Uh, but they on the interior they were all the same uh, they were their own I should say um, again more colors the dash panel went from a brushed aluminum gauge overlay to a painted steel overlay that matched the rest of the dash um, the dash pad was a long thing with this big slope pad on the right hand side above the glove box and the glove box was also angled to match the slope of the dash um, you know, they were, had offered integrated AC all controlled on the dash instead of like earlier models where it was a separate unit that was hung under the dash. So they'd, they'd started modernizing, um, um, and again, like I said, the early ones had their own little quirks that different, um, HVAC controls on the dash in 69 by 71. I would consider the D series kind of settled into um, overall design. They switched the marker lights by '71. They were the small rectangle squares like what Scout Twos have, which was kind of a, a little bit of a um, foreshadowing to what Scout Twos were going to look like. Um, because when the Scout Twos came out in late '71 or early '72, they had the same door handle, interior door handles, exterior door handles, same style window cranks, um, same marker lights, uh, same tail light housings as the pickups and travelettes. Travel alls were specific with their own style of tail light. Um, so, you know, by 71, like I said, they had their little updates 
Um, and then by 72, they had another good-sized revamp. Um, the D-Series, they changed a the grill to that aluminum horizontal bar grill. The dash got changed. Uh, the dash pad is a different shape. The dash itself got a different layout. Um, in 72, you got the little bars, the little clear indicator bars that go above all of the control knobs. Uh, so 69 to 71 did not have any indicator there. It was just um, uh, written on the... There's a little aluminum strip that had each each uh, control knob's job, you know, lights, wiper, whatever. It was just written on there. So in the dark, you didn't know what knob did what uh, unless you just knew by, you know, because you've owned it for long enough, you just know what knob does what. By 72, they changed that. They changed the layout of the dash. So then now there was a light-up indicator bar above the control knobs. So in the dark or whatever, you could see what, knob did what, um, which was what the Scout 2s had. So there you're seeing the shared um, the shared design. They had different bars, but the design was similar. Um, so I think, I think what they were doing was using some of the focus group data on the Scout 2 and putting it towards the D series, but also, um, you know, sharing parts where they could uh, you know the the gauges are very very similar between the scouts and the trucks travel alls. There's, um, you know, like I said, the window cranks are very similar. The D series is have a, a longer shank on them because the door panels are thicker, uh, different window mechanisms, that kind of thing. But the upholstery choices, carpet choice, um, paint colors, that was the same across the board um, yeah you couldn't get the a two-tone scout with wood grain like you could a, a travel all but uh, you did um, have you know similar paint codes and and that kind of thing some other stuff to mention about the uh, the D series is the drivetrain and axle layout uh, previous models uh, in the half tons you had the five on five and a half wheel pattern similar to the scouts in the two-wheel drive half tons you had a smaller five on four and a half wheel pattern so in 69 they did away with that um, and then in the three-quarter tons they had the early models had that big six lug pattern which was kind of an industrial wheel pattern, um, you know, one-ton Fords and Dodges had that same pattern. Um, so International ran that six-lug, big six-lug pattern also. But by 69, they had moved into a more standard eight-lug pattern that Fords and Chevys and Dodges had all migrated to as well. Um, so, so 69 was the first year for the eight-lug three-quarter ton and, and one ton stuff. Uh, you'll notice a, a lot more uh, power brake uh, options. There's still quite a few manual brakes, but 
the, the power brake had become a viable option. Uh, it wasn't just a scabbed on extra like the C-Series ones were. Uh, same with power steering. Uh, power steering was much more common in the 69 era um, than it was in the 68s. They had kind of figured that out, Saginaw box, and they still use that bizarre large uh, industrial truck power steering pump, which uh, you can get today, which is available new, but it's a way expensive unit. But um, yeah, so, so 69, then you know, you had the uh, Borg Warner automatic, which uh, was, uh, you know, uh, increased popularity in the 60s, but by the 70s, man, they just, they were putting those things in everything. And uh, they're a good trans. I mean, it was a durable, you know, iron case, heavy duty unit. It's important that you kept it cool, just like every other automatic, but, but not bad. Um, the early 69 still had the NP202 transfer case. Um, it wasn't until 70 that you saw the 205 come out. Um, so, so yeah, so, uh, you know, it was real common. They also did away with the uh, corporate rear end. Uh, International stopped using their own version of the rear end. Um, in the lighter duty stuff in the half ton and three quarter ton you saw dana spicer uh exclusively dana 44s and dana 60s uh the one ton stuff the 1300s and bigger you still saw ih stuff there was still the ra15 uh and larger and, and international used that ra all the way up um I mean, I have a 75 D series here in the yard that still has the RA rear end. Uh, so it was just their version of, of that. Um, but I will say that that was in the two wheel drives um, that I've seen in the D series. Because if you had a D, D series that was a 1300, 1310 or bigger uh, and four wheel drive, they were Dana 70s. Uh, I've had several um, 72 to 74 or 5 um, large ones that had Dana 70 rear and 70 front uh, because the lowest or tallest ratio you could get in an RA-15 was 430. So that made for terrible highway gear. Um, and so, yeah, it was great for pulling and great for low, you know, work truck stuff, which if you had one ton, they figured you were hauling stuff and working hard. So you didn't need a tall highway ratio. Uh, but the closest you could get in a Dana 70 for the front axle was uh, 410 or 456. I don't believe they made it anything in between. Um, I know in the Dana... 44 you could get a 427 uh which is still man that's the edge of what's acceptable between mismatch ratios uh i wouldn't want to run that on the road um you know it's really really kind of far off but um anyway the the ras they used all the way up until 75 but but they had changed the wheel pattern because the early ones were big sixes 
by 69 they went to eight lugs i've seen a couple of guys with d series with six lug axles and you've come to find out that you know they were swapped in after the fact and these people didn't realize it but um it's more on the drivetrain in 6970 you still had closed knuckle front ends um they hadn't gone to the open knuckle stuff yet international was kind of behind the other manufacturers on that sort of stuff you know 69 70 71 they were closed knuckle drum brakes um you know small u-joint they used the dana 30 sized u-joint in the axle shafts so even though you had you had 30 spline inner and 19 spline outers you still were stuck with these little little u-joints in the front axle so um, it wasn't until they went to the open knuckle in 73 that uh, that you started seeing the 297 X's come out uh, instead of those little uh, I can't remember what their number in 188's or something like that um, so that was another thing you the axle shafts were different so I get that a lot where people call looking for parts and they want to put certain shafts into an older axle and I'm like you got to buy the inner and the outer and they're like oh I only need the inner and I'm like you're nah, not with that little u-joint you're not gonna make it happen and so anyway there were some drivetrain differences in that stuff the brakes continued to get larger that was another thing from the C's to the D's you know they for whatever reason everyone was married to these little like 12 by 2 uh, 12 by inch and three quarter uh, brake drums and stuff and and so in 69 uh, they came out with the larger like 12 by two and a half in the Dana 60 and the the fronts especially the travel alls for whatever reason the half ton travel alls ended up with these 12 by three or I'm sorry 11 by three drums made by Lockheed and they were terrible I mean yeah they just weren't great and nowadays they're very hard to deal with um, the shoes are not available anywhere you have to have your scent out to be relined and it's just they're not good so um, we do a ton of GM axle swaps on those because of availability and and performance upgrades um, yeah so what other neat updates oh so the five-speed manual transmission was also becoming more popular. Uh, it, that came out in the 60s in the light trucks, but um, it became more of an option in the 70s because of increased highway speeds and more economy, people looking for better fuel economy and that kind of stuff. So you did start to see more of the T-34s showing up in more um, trucks. And a lot of travel-alls, for some reason... Um, I see a lot of T-34s and travel alls, and I think it's just because of the use. People wanted to drive them farther and do more with them, and, and you know, it was the family cruiser, so you wanted that overdrive. And uh, it makes sense. Uh, I've got a T-34 in the motorhome, and it's a great trans. goes down the road good. Uh, weird shift pattern, but otherwise, yeah, it's nice to have. Um so other things of 73 they started switching to the open knuckle front end um, oh in the in the closed knuckle and the earlier ones 
you had different weight ratings. You had the small knuckle and the large knuckle. And the small knuckle was a 3,000 pound rated Dana 44. There was another up like a 3,400 pound rated Dana 44 that um, was available. But then when you got into the big knuckle, um, which when I say small knuckle, it's like the size of a softball. And big knuckle is like the size of a bowling ball. Like they are huge. And those axles have thick tubes, more webbing in the castings and than those big knuckles. They are a 4,200 pound rated axle, which the Dana 70 that was then in the 1300s and up, I think starts at 4,500 pounds and goes up from there. So yeah, that big knuckle 44, really it's just limited by the axle shafts and the ring gear is where the weakness comes in on that. Uh, so, you know, that, that heavy duty setup was for, um, you know, heavy trucks. Like I have a, a truck coming in here soon that was special ordered with a 12 foot service bed and was a heavy duty work truck. Now it has a 60 rear and this big knuckle 44 front. So I think they were right on the edge of the one ton chain. Like really the only difference to step up would have been, you know, the RA 15 rear and then, um, you know, but I think, like I said, again, the gearing is what, keeps that from happening so anyway um so now like i said 73 they've changed the dash interior colors have changed the upholstery is a little different uh the rear view mirror is mounted to the windshield now the sun visor clips are different um they've added some more um rattle reducers and squeak reducers to uh various parts of the interiors of the travel alls and travelettes um and then they came out with a weird rig called the Wagon Master, the old infamous Wagon Master, which was a travel all that the back was cut off and turned into a pickup. So like a modern, like a Chevy Avalanche of today, uh, this was the International's version of it back in 73. And the whole point of it was so you could have a short wheelbase travel all style rig that could tow a fifth wheel camper. Except this unit was designed by guys in the plant and then run through engineering that modified some drawings and they put it out. No one did any research. <laughs> so if you try to put a fifth wheel camper hitch in the Wagon Master, you can't turn the <laughs> the fifth wheel will run into the back of the cab. Um, yeah, it's not a great thing. And then, so they've made it so the tailgate could get propped halfway open to clear the hitch. And then if you put the hitch in the bed where you can use the fifth wheel, it's behind the axle. And so then you end up with like really light steering and it's kind of, the handling is kind of weird and it's just not, um, it's not a good mechanically sound truck. Uh, so, yeah, the Wagon Master was definitely a novelty. Um, 
73 when it came out. I think they made like a thousand of them. I want to, I can't remember the production numbers exactly, but um, they carried into 74. And according to my sales brochures, they were not available in four wheel drive in 74. But I've seen two different factory four wheel drive ones in the, in the wild now. So it just goes back to the old international adage about they'll do anything you ask. So, you know, it might not have been in the brochure, but someone was in the dealership and went, you know, God damn it, Larry, I want a four wheel drive one. And the sales guy just pushed it through and the factory had to deal with it. So, you know, that's what my, my guess is on that. But the brochure says that it's not available in four wheel drive. Um, so yeah, that, and the wagon master was kind of a disaster. Um, I have one here. I've had several over the years. They're goofy. I'd much rather have a travelette, uh, just because of the, the wheelbase and, and whatnot. I mean, if I'm going to have a travel all, I need the back. The travel all is the whole point of it is for the enclosed covered storage area and, uh, and that sort of thing. If I'm going to be using a fifth wheel and towing and stuff, then I want a uh, I want a pickup. I want that extra bed, you know. And and I've just got spoiled with travelettes over the years. So, um, and then we go into '74. Big changes: uh, the front sheet metal changes, the hood, the valance, the grill. It's all different. Now they've added support struts to the inside of the fenders to help support the the grill and valance. Uh, the bumper changed a little bit. The frames are completely different. They have a different shape, different layout. The um, springs hang differently on them. The rear shocks are laid out fore to aft instead of angled side to side like before. They have more options um, as far as the way the AC system is set up. The dash, you had tilt column uh, versions, which were new. Um, it, the upholstery stuff was different. Uh, you know, you had AM, FM radio was starting to be available. Uh, the motor was set back in the frame, so they had side motor mounts which required different exhaust manifolds uh, which were terrible they always broke super weak crappy guys put headers on them to help alleviate that problem um, the mounts are different like i said they're side mount uh, instead of the front mount like the previous models they have great big fan shroud to pull through that radiator um, so of course with everything set back, it has different hoses. Um, the engine switched to a Scout 2 style power steering pump, so that ran off the crank instead of the previous years running off the water pump. Um, you know, again, I think it was to combine parts to save some money. Again, um, various shared bits and pieces like that. Um, the trim styles changed. The wood grain was still there, but the way the trim wrapped around it and, and was shaped was a little different. Um, yeah, taillights were still the same. Um, you know, just styling details that changed just enough to make them look different than the earlier ones. Um, the hood latch was a little different. Um, 
you know, just enough to be frustratingly different when you're trying to work on your truck nowadays with used parts. Because, like, the tailgates are different. The, the latch mechanism on the tailgates is completely different. And it's really hard to swap back and forth between the two. Um, you know, you had more drivetrain updates. You started seeing more of them with 354 axle gears for better highway run. Way more 373 gear trucks. Um, oh, I forgot. In 73, they changed over to the 727 torque flight automatic uh, in the international case. And so they carried that all the way through 75. The torque flight was a nice update. Um, really strong transmission, uh, mechanical kick down instead of that electric button that was under the gas pedal of the earlier years. So, yeah, just uh, the 727 was a good update. Uh, the 205 transfer case was the staple now. Um, the brakes got bigger. 74. Uh, with that Dana 44 front end, they got disc brakes. Um, they had disc brakes in late 73 in the half-ton stuff, but it wasn't until 74 that it was across the board. Everything got discs. So, again, International's late to the party because GM and Ford had disc brake front ends a few years before that. Um, so... You know, 74's got a little updated wiring because they, wiring was always International's weak point. Um, so they just, you know, they were kind of changing these things on the fly. They'd, they'd let the public R&D them and then in the next year they would change the things that people complained about, like the mirrors and the rattles and um, you know, the wiring and the fires and brakes bad you know they just would change what people were complaining about and uh some of it was driven by the market uh or competition what they were doing but it was also driven by the general public so um what else not a lot of other notable stuff i mean the 74 and fives if you looked at the frames you would it's very obvious that they're different you know, the the cabs had different mounts because the frames were wider um you know, just a lot of different updates like that that make swapping between 74 and 5 and the earlier ones uh, a lot difficult. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's really about it. I think the, um, I'm sure something will come to me, come to me later, but yeah, they discontinued the Wagon Master in 74 and then because of International's financial problems, they, ended up shutting the pickup line down in 75 um, which is good because if you saw any of the prototype drawings for the later ones they are ugly ugly I don't know I, hopefully whoever was designing that um, you know hopefully they got <laughs> reprimanded for it because man it's like a dog wearing sunglasses on its butt ugly like just terrible so I'm glad they went out on the high point that they did I mean there's there's nothing as tough looking as a 75 three-quarter ton four-wheel drive travel all like just to me especially with like a PTO winch bumper and it's like some tall like some 750 16s with the hubcaps on steel wheels like that is the epitome of 70s tough 
I mean, nobody was making a truck like that in the 70s. You look at any of the other makes, nobody had one. You know, Dodge Power Wagons were weird looking, and, um, you know, Ford didn't have a SUV like that. Chevy had the Suburban, but it just, nah, nah, meh. You're just going to, international was it, man. So, anyway. Um, this one ran really long again. Uh, sorry. Hopefully you guys learned something. Um, I'm sure I cover, I missed some stuff. So you'll let me know on the socials of what I missed. But anyway, thank you for your support, your love, your adoration. Uh, and until next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard.